Remember the parable of the 10 virgins? You know, there's five wise and five foolish. What's the difference? Five of them have oil in their lamp and five of them don't have oil in their lamp. They're pure, they're invited, but one has oil, one doesn't. Those that have oil get to go the next step. They get to go to the marriage supper. The other five, the door locks, closes, it's too late. What does that say to us? Is that there was something required of them besides being pure, morally pure virgins, and more than being invited. They were required to have oil in their lamp. They had lamps, but no oil. And that's true for some people. They even have wineskins, but they have no wine. You know, Jesus' first miracle, you know it. He turned water into wine. Do you know the accusation of the Jews in Acts chapter 2? They said, these men are drunk on new wine. And, and, and Peter says, these aren't drunk like you think they are. What is it? They have received, they are rejoicing, they are reveling, they are experiencing and expressing the new wine. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. You probably know it. And here's the thing. The, it's very important for us to recognize that, that no doubt we need to have the new wine Jesus gives. But what may be more important than the new wine is the new wineskins. You know, Acts 2.30 6, 37, 38, 39. Uh, let, let the house of Israel know assuredly that that same Jesus whom you crucified, God hath made him both Jehovah and Messiah, Lord and Christ. They're pricked in their heart. And they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Look at the next part. And with many other words did he exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. Acts 2.38, new wine. Acts 2.30, 2, Acts 2 and 40, new wineskins. It is that uh, divine tension. We are looking, desiring, praying, believing for a, a fresh flow of the new wine in our life, of the Holy Ghost flow, of the operation of the Spirit. But what is, I would say, someone could argue that may be even more important in that if you don't have this, you lose this. You got to have the new wineskins. You've got to live properly. You've got to live a good life. You know, I, I liken it to this. In Mississippi, we get a lot of rain. And over the past couple of years, it really, and when it rains in Mississippi, it, it don't just rain. It, it rains and rains and rains and rains and rains. If you've ever been here, it's, it's I mean, if you look in my backyard, we're not far from a rainforest. Uh, 
so it, so when it rains here, and, and I liken it this way, it can rain in my parking lot for at the church for for forty days and forty nights. The sun would come up, the wind would blow, and in less than a day, my parking lot could be dry and hot, even though there has been gallons, hundreds and thousands of gallons of water have fallen on that parking lot and flowed over that parking lot. And in just a little bit, all the water is gone. However, I'm sitting here by my swimming pool and we could go into drought season. We could come out of a drought and let's just imagine my swimming pool is, is empty. And we go through that 40 days and 40 nights of rain. At the end of that 40 days and 40 nights, do you know what would be in my swimming pool? All the concrete around it would be dry when the sun comes out. But in my swimming pool, there would be thousands of gallons of water that would stay in that swimming pool. And there would be water in that pool. If it did not rain for six months, there would still be water in that pool. It's still concrete, concrete in my pool and concrete in my parking lot. But there's still something that remains in my pool and there wouldn't be anything that remained in my parking lot. What is it? You could say my pool is a type of wineskin. It's a structure. And I would say to you that that is an example of what Christian discipline, Christian mercy, Christian forgiveness, Christian prayer. You know, the Bible says if someone uh, uh, slaps you on the face, strikes you on the face, turn the other cheek. If someone takes you to court and for your coat, you give them your cloak. The, the scripture says, uh, if someone asks for you to go a mile, go two miles. It, it, the scripture says, if someone comes to you and, and has an issue, Jesus said, agree with them. Just, just make peace with them unless they take you to court and sue you and throw you in jail. These, this is the teaching of Jesus. And the reason why many spirit-filled believers may have experienced a great a downpouring, a great overflow, a great miraculous move of the Spirit. But in just a day or two, the sun comes up and there's no evidence that they have experienced anything. They're just like everybody else. Why? Because they have not learned how to have the wine, the new wineskins, to have structure that what they receive on Sunday they still have some on Monday. And what they have, they have it on Tuesday. And they have it on Wednesday. Do you know it's possible to have more of the Spirit on Thursday than you had on Sunday? Do you know it's possible to have more of God's Spirit, God's Word, and God's fellowship flowing in your life on Saturday than you had on Sunday before? Seven days later? Six days later? All week, all the trouble, all the trials? Do you know you can have more than you had when you walked out the church on Sunday? How's that happen? You just keep praying. You just keep talking to Jesus. You just keep living in that New Testament way 
where you're praying for your enemy. You're blessing those that curse you. You're forgiving those that do you wrong. You are going the second mile. You're treating your neighbor as yourself. You're loving your wife as your own flesh. And you are living this New Testament uh, discipline. Oh, yes. Discipline. Say it with me. Discipline. Oh, it's such a... That's not a word people like. Discipline. What does it mean to be a disciple? It means you live a disciplined life. What did Jesus say? If any man wants to be my disciples, he must first what? Deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me daily. Say that with me daily. He didn't say in January when the pastor calls a fast. Daily. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and all day Saturday. Daily. Deny yourself. That means, that might mean you need to fast on Monday. That might mean the Lord wakes you up early in the morning. That might mean that you do something special for your spouse. That might mean you take a minute out of your busy schedule and sit down and talk to your children. That might mean you go to the church and make yourself available for some task or duty. You deny yourself. Some days you might not go hunting because the Lord puts it on your heart to go do evangelism. Some days you might not go shopping because the Lord wants you to go check on someone at the church. Some days... You might not do what you want to do. You may need to go see your parents. Why? If you want to be the disciple of Jesus, you must first deny yourself. You do want to have a spirit-filled life, right? Oh, I got the Holy Ghost when I was six years old. Me too. But I would be remiss and dishonest if I, I led you to believe that I every day in my life I've been... Perfect, I haven't. Some of these observations I've learned from my own challenges, from my own mistakes. So I had a friend of mine call me the other day, and this happens to me a lot. I have a number of pastors and evangelists that are my friends, and they know I love to talk about the Word of God. It's, it's my number one passion. Um, it's my hobby. It's my life. I, I, I spend a significant part of my life meditating on, thinking about, studying, writing things that are connected to Scripture. And so I, and there's a lot of people that I know know that about me, and so they'll call me and they will want me to uh, kind of brainstorm with them on a Scripture and uh, sermonize, I guess, if you will. And, and, you know, here's the thing. If you meditate on the Word of God and you roll that around in your mind, you meditate, you study, you look at the Greek, you look at the Hebrew, you look at the concordance, you look at the chain reference, and you begin to study a subject, it, it, it's going to take you somewhere. I always love to see where that process takes me. So I had a friend of mine call me and, and wanted me to Think about the joy of the Lord. Yeah, he didn't realize joy, the joy of the Lord. Joy, the Word. Joy, the experience. It's been in my heart 
since January, January 1. I mean, joy has been uh, a meditation I have thought about. I've written the word out in a big piece of paper. I've written extensively and, and preached extensively about joy. So he asked me to, to think about joy. And so in the New Testament, the new wine, you could call it joy. New wine is joy. Joy is new wine. The experience of having the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Paul said in Romans 14 and 7, The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so here's the thing. Everyone wants joy. However, joy is not a pursuit that you will apprehend it in that pursuit. If you pursue joy, you'll never get it. Because joy is not an end. Joy is a result. The Scripture tells us the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so that tells us it is a formula. If you live a life that is pleasing to God. Remember the Sermon on the Mount? You pray for those that do you wrong. You forgive those that do you wrong. You bless them. You pray for them. You go the second mile. Uh, you, you, you prefer your neighbor. If you live the Sermon on the Mount, that's righteous. That's New Testament, uh, our part of the equation of righteousness. So the kingdom of God is righteousness, and when you do that, what do you have? Peace. You have peace with your neighbor. You have peace with your family. The, the, the Bible says that if my ways please the Lord, even with my enemies, I'll be at peace. So, so righteousness produces peace. When you know you've done the hard thing, when you know you've done what the Word of God teaches you, when you know you've forgiven and you have let things go, do you know you sleep better? It's peace. And, and, and that process of righteousness and peace, the result of that equation is you're going to have joy. Joy in your heart. Joy in your mind. Joy since that happy day. Joy in my hands. Joy in my feet. Joy in every way. You know the song. God took those worldly desires and gave me heavenly fires. Now I've got a brand new goal. And since I met this man called Jesus Christ, I've got the joy, joy, joy in my soul. It's a great song. Pardon me. As you watch these programs, you're going to find it happens to me a lot. Those that I pastor, they know it's going to come out. Every message, there's going to be some song kind of clicks in my brain. Joy is a product of living a righteous, peaceful life. And so, here's the deal. If you want to have joy, you got to be willing to do the work. If, if you want to have wine, let's think, let's think of joy as the new wine. If you want to have new wine, if you want to have new wine, you've got to take the rocks out of the field. If you want to have new wine, you've got to be willing to plow the field. If you want to have new wine, you've got to plant the seed and the seedlings. 
If you want to have new wine, you've got to tend the vine. If you want to have new wine, you've got to, you've got to watch for the little foxes and the, the weeds. and You've got, to, you've got to take care of things until harvest time. The, the, the tender grape begins to appear and, 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 it, and it ripens on the vine. And, and at that perfect moment, you're watching. You've got to pick the grape. And then you're going to gather the grapes together and you're going to tread the grapes. And that juice, you're going to get the juice that comes out of the treading and you're going to strain it and you're going to keep out the dregs and you're going to, you're going to take that, that pure, clean uh, grape juice and you're going to pour it in wineskins or bottles. And when you've done that, you're going to put it in your cellar and you're going to wait. And year after year, those who own grape vineyards, they know, they know the formula how to, year after year, produce good wine. And if you have a habit, a life, a routine of, of tending the vines, running off the small foxes, weeding out the stuff, dealing with the brakes, pruning, shearing. You, you're, 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 you understand everything I do. It's not that I just love to labor in the sun. It's not that I like to weed around the vines. I have a purpose. What's my purpose? The wine. And, and these, these uh, men of the vineyard, vineyard keepers, they... They have a life that not only puts wine on their table, joy in their heart, joy in their home, but they become a supplier for people around the world, ship around the world. And people around the world consume and are in, enjoy the benefit of that, that wine keeper. The, the, <laughs> The man that's taking care of the vineyard. I can't think of the word right now. And here's the thing. Is, is we can have joy every day if we will remember to tend the vine, to tend the grapes, to run off the, the, the little foxes, to pull the weeds. And a lot of times people get wrapped up in the labor and they, 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 they never experience, they never enjoy, they, they fail and they forget to enjoy the benefit of what they're doing. A perfect example of that, and I'm going to be done, is, is the elder brother. The, the prodigal comes home. I, I, the, the, the person that was so happy, more happy than anyone else, more happy than the servants, was the father. He was so happy. I can see the, the prodigal's brother looking through the window. He hears the music and he sees the shadows and people are dancing. And he looks and sees his father is dancing. And he looks a little further and it's, it's, it's his sorry, no good brother. I can't believe my dad would do that. I can't believe that. He left and went out in the field and was angry. Because there was a party. And the father comes down and said, Hey, it was the right thing to do. My son, 
who was dead is alive, who has left has come home, who has lost has been found. He said, everything here is yours. And I believe if you read that story, you can see in it, the Father is saying, you can have a party every day. Don't get so lost and, and, and overcome and, and labor in the field that you don't come home and enjoy the presence of the Father, that you don't enjoy uh, the fatted calf and, and, and the music and the dancing and the worship and the praise. And, and I think, you know, you have one side of people that they, 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 they have wine, but they don't have any wines. They don't have any discipline. They can't live right. You know, they, they, they go from one Sunday to another Sunday. It's up and down. They, they like commitment. They like faithfulness. And you see these. Oh, they, they can come back into church and just, you know, the Lord blesses them abundantly. And they walk out and just a few days, it's all gone. Well, we've been there at times. But I think the greatest tragedy isn't the prodigal that left and came home, but it's the elder brother that even though he never left, he wasn't really there. He was working, but he wasn't enjoying the joy of the Father's presence, the Father's house, the Father's blessing. There is this great balance God has called us to, and that balance is new wine, check. New wineskins, check. The Sermon on the Mount, the parables of Jesus, it is so important for us to be sure in our pursuit of living spirit-filled lives. Lives that are, are exemplifying the joy of the Lord. That we understand that what will maintain, help us retain, survive the droughts and the, and the dry times is that we are tending the vineyard. And when we've done that, to continue to, to be renewed in the Holy Spirit, that wonderful Holy Spirit. Yes, amen. My prayer is that, Lord, help me to understand, to pursue, to enjoy, to maintain everything I need to do that I might have the joy of the Lord, the new wine, and the new wineskins.